Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews and Hebrews and chapter number 4. The book of Hebrews and chapter number 4. Now in the last several messages we've been placing an emphasis that God is beginning to speak about rest. And that God wants to give us rest. He wants to give us victory. He wants to be able to give us shelter in the time of the storm. And as we've been asking you to place emphasis to start looking in the Bible and start looking in the book of Hebrews to try to look and identify the word rest, we now come to the chapter where God begins to speak about this rest in a clear, identifiable way. And so if you wouldn't mind taking your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter number 4. The book of Hebrews chapter number 4 and notice with me in verse number 1. The book of Hebrews chapter number Number four. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the verse number one. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he has said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall enter into my, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest from the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then he would have not afterwards have spoken of another day. Therefore, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also have ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Hebrews chapter number 4? The book of Hebrews chapter number 4, and notice with me in verse number 5, where it says, enter into my rest. Enter into my rest. And with the Lord's help, I would love to take some time from this passage and explain about the rest that God has offered for you as we consider enter into my rest. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord Jesus Christ now and let's talk to him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. A God who loves us so very much. 
I'm asking that you would just help this to be clear. Help this to be a help. Lord, let these folks here and everyone who hears this message be spiritually attentive. Knowing that this can be the answer. This could be the help that they need. That they can have a rest. They don't have to go on struggling. Lord, I'm asking that you would give grace. That you would give peace. That you would give so wonderful answers through your Bible today. Again, let it be clear. Let it be understandable. Let it be a help. We love you. Fill me with your spirit now and do a work that would affect all of eternity tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Without a doubt, God has a rest prepared for his people. He speaks about it all throughout the scriptures. He does have a rest prepared. Remember at the end of Hebrews chapter number uh, 3. Where we had ended off this morning. It talked about the people in the Old Testament. Had failed to enter into God's rest. That he had prepared for them. He had prepared them a rest. He wanted them to go to the rest. But they didn't receive it. They didn't get the rest. They didn't get to enter into it. They missed out. And unfortunately, there are so many of God's people, even today, that miss out on the rest that God desires them to have. Maybe more people than you would even care to admit are failing to have this rest God desires for them to have. Now, if so many people are missing out on this rest, on what the Bible here describes God's rest, don't you think it's important that we would at least know about the rest and know that we can have it, that God offers it? What is this about the rest that God offers us that he gives a warning and says so many people are missing out and giving this Old Testament illustration and spends time in chapter 4 to explain about this rest? We need to have this rest. What a blessing it is to be at peace. What a blessing it is to have peace in a restless world. When we think about rest, it does carry the idea of peace. It carries the idea of being at a peace, a rest, a protectedness. Even in the midst of a warring, unrestful world, we can have peace. We can have rest. They had two artists that were tasked to paint a picture of what rest is. And so the first uh, artist, he painted a beautiful beach scene. You could see the beach, the beautiful cloudless skies, the birds uh, flying. You could see the waves all still. The the ocean calm, the water at peace. Just a beautiful serene picture. And that was his idea of rest. Another artist asked to draw a picture of peace drew one where you saw rocks along the shore. You saw gray skies, lightning. You saw the waves crashing against the the rocks. You could see all of these things, the wind. You could see everything portrayed. And it doesn't look like a restful picture. But if you look closely, you could see in those rocks, there was a crack in the cleft of the rock. And there was a person in that cleft waiting out the storm. That is the peace that God offers us. That shelter in the time of the storm. The peaceful beach scene, that is the false peace that the world tries to imitate 
and fails to deliver. That is not promised and that is not biblical rest. However, so many Christians think that's what it means by rest. That my life needs to be one of a serene beach scene. It needs to be one where there's no clouds in the sky. The birds are chirping. The sun is beautiful and warm. Everything's alright. I can go ahead and just breathe it in. That is a false peace and it is never offered to us. That is something the world tries to sell you and it cannot deliver. And because Christians buy into that false rest, they buy into that's the idea of peace. They're miserable because they don't understand it because they can never have it. Think of your life. Have you gone in a single year where it was just that peaceful and rest? Where everything was sunshine and butterflies and rainbows. Where everything was going along and you just whistled the entire year. And you didn't worry about getting your umbrella out. You didn't have any storms whatsoever. Let me tell you that is not life. Life is not that. So therefore the Bible cannot promise you that. But the world says that's what it means by peace. And so many people are striving for that false view of peace. They're striving for that false idea of rest. And when they don't get that idyllic false view, they become more miserable because they wonder, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my life? Why is everything failing? Why does it turn out like this? What is the peace that God offers us? That rest in the time of storm. The shelter in the time of storm. That protection that God is with us no matter what. That God has the victory. We're not wondering about who wins the victory. We know who's got the victory. And we're enjoying the victorious Christian life. And when the world is raging. When the storms are blowing. When the world is not restful. We in the middle of the storm. Resting in Jesus. Can have victory and peace still. That is the peace. And by the way, that peace is more necessary. That peace is more precious than in the midst of the storms you're not blown around. In the midst of the storms, you could have a calmness and a trust and victory. That is the rest that God offers you to be able to rest in the middle of storms. That is something the world cannot offer you. Because the storms are going to be there. You could either be blown around like everyone else. Or you could be anchored to the cleft of the rock. You could be anchored into Jesus Christ. You can enjoy victorious Christian life. Not just a satisfactory life. But a victorious Christian life. Because of what God has offered you. In this passage here. It talks about the rest. Let me show you first of all three rest that are considered. Three rest that are considered. God builds up this definition of rest. And he gives us three types of rest that are mentioned here. The first rest would be creation rest. Creation rest. Notice with me in verse number four. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise... 
And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. So here it begins to bring up this idea of creation. That we know that God created the world in six literal days. And on the seventh day he rested. Now was it because he was tired? No. It was because he had completed everything. And he was able to rest. He had everything in hand. He rested. This was to be a pattern for us to follow. We were to follow this example of being able to take a period of time and rest. Jesus had given this or God had given this example. Unfortunately, the Hebrew people had taken the law and had twisted it from God, what God intended. They had a, the law, then they had the commentary, and then they had the commentary and the laws. And they made so many rules and so many things that the Sabbath day, the seventh day, was not restful. It was one of a burden. But that's not what God designed. God didn't design for a time for us to be more burdened and more put on than I'm trying to rest and it's making me need rest from my rest. But you know that's how we live. We are busy people. We are so busy. And we run and we rush and we rush and we rush and we do this and get this. And instead of taking rest, we busy ourselves. And when we finally take a break, we don't use it to reflect and rest on him. Amen. We miss out. There's an old phrase of stop and smelling the roses. But we live such a rushed, such a compact, unrestful lifestyle that we miss all of it. We miss out on things around us. We don't take time. We miss out on God's creation. We miss out on God and who He is. We miss out on the time to reflect on Him. And then we wonder when we keep being busy and busy and busy and busy and busy, we wonder why we don't enjoy the life that God provided for us. Because we don't stop to reflect on him when he gave us the pattern. The time off that we take. Usually is filled to catch up with everything else. We have to guard that. God gave us the example of creation rest. Now this isn't just talking about the rest that he gave us. But it's the start. We understand that he gave a pattern. And we've already disobeyed that pattern. As he goes on to this passage. Not only did he talk about creation rest but he talked about Canaan rest notice with me in verse number six seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief this is continuing the thought that we saw in chapter three at the very end where it talked about those Folks uh, uh, who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, who died in the wilderness, who provoked God. And they did not get to enter into God's rest. God had a whole land prepared for them and they did not enter in because of unbelief. They refused to obey. They refused to trust God. And they missed out on all the blessings and all the promises God had given to them. He had said instead of wandering in the desert, instead of wandering in a place where you're dependent on food every day and you don't know where it's at, why not let me give you this land that is flowing with milk and honey? Why not give you this place where you could have cities and be settled down and you don't have to travel in the sand no more, but you could enjoy crops, you could enjoy a land, you could enjoy a place where you could build a future. Let me give you this. And the people said, no, we'd rather be in the desert. 
You said that was a bad choice. Yes, it was. Because they refused to believe in God. They said, if I go after this, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too big of a struggle. It can't be done. I'd rather be here in the desert and die than enjoy the rest, the promises, the blessings that God offered for me. And they missed out because they rebelled and they refused to obey. Because of that, an entire generation missed out. An entire generation missed out on the things God had provided for them. And by the way, God has provided so much for us. And yet we miss out. We miss out on what God has promised us. Notice as it continues on. Verse number 7. Uh, Verse number 6, he was talking about the children of Israel in the desert. Then in verse 7, again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. He wanted to give them a day. He wanted to provide for them a special time. Now, God gave them another chance. Notice with me in verse number 8. For if Jesus... Now, this Jesus here is Joshua. Remember that Joshua means God is salvation in Hebrew. In Greek, we have the name Jesus, which means God is salvation in Greek. It's the same name. In here, it's not referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's referring to the Old Testament Joshua. So, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards spoken of another day. Now, what it's talking about here is that Joshua led the people into victory. He led them into the promised land. However, it was an incomplete victory. They enjoyed some victory, but they did not get everything that God desired them to have. They lived a sort of victorious life, but God had told them, everywhere you step, I'll give to you. But instead of taking that promise... They had made three mistakes that led to an entire generation in the book of Judges not to get rest. So because of their actions, people did not get rest. What were the three mistakes? First of all, Joshua failed to secure the coast and left the western borders in the hands of the Philistines. He allowed those stinking Philistines to be there. And as you read through the book of Judges, as you go through the book of Ruth, as you go through the book of Samuel, as you go through the book of 2 Samuel, you see the Philistines constantly and continually plaguing the people of Israel. And yet, God had made a promise to go kick them out. And they failed to secure those borders. They, they failed. And it caused them not to have rest because they didn't trust God for a complete victory. What's a second failure? Joshua had made a disastrous covenant with the Gibeonites. Remember, he had those people come up and they dressed like they were old clothes. And they traveled and they lied to Joshua. And Joshua failed to pray and ask God for deliverance. He, he failed to pray and ask for wisdom. So because of that, they made a disastrous agreement with him and left these people to plague when God had said to destroy them. And then third, he failed to complete the mop-up operations and left dangerous peoples in the middle of their territories which continue to give them problems. 
people like the Jebusites. The Jebusites had a hill that later on they called it Jerusalem. But for a while they had all of Israel living around them and the Jebusites right in the middle. The enemy living right in the middle of your backyard. So because of this, God had to make a promise to David that I'm going to finish cleaning out the land that should have been done years before. What we see is that God had promised them, given them a land of victory, but because they did not go forward, because they didn't follow God completely, they did not get everything that God desired them to have. They missed out of the rest That God had offered for them in this victorious life. There's one more rest that he talked about here. He talked about creation rest. He talked about uh, Canaan rest. But he also talks about here Calvary rest. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 9. Calvary rest. He says there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. God says guess what? There is a rest for you to have. There is a rest for you to enjoy. Verse 10. For he that is entered into his rest. He has also ceased from his own works. As God did from his. Here it's talking about Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died on the cross. And he gave us rest from our sins. From the penalty of our sins. From the power of sins. And in the future from the presence of sins. He paid that price. He said it is finished. Remember our rest is in a person. Our rest is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That salvation is a finished work he has finished it and he has given us peace he's given us a rest in him dealing with our sins but that is not all he has more God has more planned for us his desire was never just to have salvation period you're saved you're no longer going to have or going to hell you're going to heaven good job see you when you get there But God desired for us to have a life full of rest, victory, and peace while we live here. Why we live here. What does this mean? Well, notice with me in verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Now that sounds like that's an oxymoron sentence. Let us labor, therefore, to enter... Into that rest? What do you mean? I have to work for this rest? Yes. You say, does that make sense? Well, didn't Jesus say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It's laboring in Jesus Christ. It's working with him to work With what God has given to us. God has given us so much. Now if you refuse to work. You're not going to be thrown out. Here's an illustration. Let's say that a ship sails by. And you are sinking in the ocean. And they pull you up out of the ocean. And they put you. Now there's going to be time before they make harbor. And they say we're so glad they rescued you. While you're here, we need some help with this. Do you mind helping out? Now you can say, nah, I don't want to work. Are they going to cast you back in the sea? 
No. You could refuse to work. However, because they did rescue you, wouldn't you feel like you should work? Absolutely. Jesus has rescued us from the penalty of sin. He has rescued us from the deserving place of hell. Now, he's already done the work and we've accepted it. If you refuse to work, sure, he's not going to cast you into hell. But you're going to miss out on more that God has for you. We should serve God out of a thankful heart, not because we have to. We're serving God because of what he's done, not in order to get something from him. But it is a labor. He saved us for us to labor. He saved us in order for us to work. What is the secret of a busy life in Christ? Calvary rest. Service from, serve God from a thankful heart because of what Christ has done for us. I'm not serving God in a, in a manner, oh man, I got to go to church. I have to preach. I have to read my Bible. No, God has given me victory. He's died for me. I serve God out of a restful thing because he has rescued me. Because of what he's done. I have no problem serving him. It's not out of a burden. It's not out of duty. It is because of thankfulness. I get to serve him. Now again, this is just explaining the rest. He's using this illustration to try to describe the rest. That he talked about a creation rest. That God created the world in six days and then he rested. Not because God was tired, but because he wanted to give us an example, a pattern. But yet we violate that all the time by being so busy. Busy doing this, busy doing this, and busy doing this. And we miss out on what God is doing around us. We miss out on all these things. And no wonder we're not restful. Because we're missing and seeing what God is doing. It's just flying by. God talks to us about this Canaan rest. This picture of the victorious Christian life. That we can have victory. And that so many people missed out. So many people are missing out on the victorious Christian life. Because of disobedience. Because of unbelief. Because they won't follow. And they're, not, they're living their life in defeat. Think about the book of Judges. Think of Gideon hiding behind the shack. That's where people live their life. They're hiding from the world, from the flesh, the devil. They're just hiding out. They're trying to hold up till Jesus comes. They're just hoping that the enemy doesn't spot them. But God says, I want to give you victory. The only time you get victory is in building and in battling. And yet Christians don't want to build and they don't want to battle. And they're missing out on looking what God gives. That God can provide the victory. God can win the battle. And instead of having peace, they're living in fear from the world. Fear from the news. Fear from the media. Fear from what's going to happen. Fear of the unknown. Fear of other people. And they're missing out. And yet those who do step out, they only step out part way. And they don't get complete victory like God wants. They get victory here, but they retreat here. They get some victory here, but they run away here. And they don't step out by faith. And they're missing out on all that God has for them. And then there's Calvary rest. That Jesus has already won the battle. It has been settled and we missed out. 
We miss out on resting in Him, being satisfied that He has saved us and serve Him out of a thankful heart. Even today, so many Christians, they're born again, but they serve God out of duty, out of a burden. I have to serve God. I have to read my Bible today. Pray for me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this burden. I've got to pray for God. Read my Bible. I don't know. It's going to be a drudgery. I'll do it because I have to. That's what people do. And they wonder why they don't have victory. Well, if I have to, I know that Green Bay's playing today on the TV and I'll just have to sacrifice watching them lose or win or whatever they're going to do. And I guess I'll come to church because, you know, it's what I'm supposed to do but I'd rather be watching the Packers. We're not missing out on anything. And people wonder why they have a defeated life. They wonder why they don't have victory, why they don't have peace when they're not reading their Bible and they're reading the Bible's a drudgery. I gotta hurry up. I could just get a couple more verses and I get one, my one chapter. My one, my one chapter's done. I'm free. Oh. And then they wonder when the spiritual mess hits them, why they're so unsettled, why they're having a hard time praying. And they're saying, God, do you hear me? Is my prayers even hitting? Did I even remember to pray? And they're wondering, why don't they have victory? Why is it that the world seems to be against me? Why is it they seem to be pushing me back? Why is it that I feel like just holding up? That's not the victory that God desired us to have or to be pushed back, to be surrendered, to be cowered down. God wants us to have victory. Which brings me to the second thing. We saw the three types of rest. Now let's go to the heart of the message. The rebellion against the rest. A rebellion against the rest. Now God has offered us rest. What is this rest? It is peace and victory in the midst of storm. The peace and victory that God offers us. That he's won the battle. That he's winning the victory. That we can trust him. And yet we're talking to Christians. We're not talking about lost people now. We're talking about Christians. Very few Christians live a victorious Christian life. They are missing out. Why? Because a rebellion against victory. The Bible gives the answer. Notice with me in chapter 4 verse 1. God begins to warn them in this passage here. About not having the rest that God wants. So he gives us the example of the Israelite people in chapter number 3. That they missed out. Before we dive in. Many believers have the idea that the failure to enter into all that God has for them in Christ is regrettable, but not serious. Think about what I just said. Many believers have the idea that failure to enter into all that God has given them in Christ is regrettable, but not serious. Meaning that if I don't enjoy the victorious life, if I don't have rest, if I'm not obedient to what God's given me to do, if I'm not seeing victory, if I just hole up and just stay here, sure, I may miss out on what someone that God has for me, but you know, it's not a big deal. 
Let me tell you it is. Because not only are you wasting one lifetime, you are wasting two. You are wasting two. God wants you to have a victorious Christian life here through Jesus Christ. To be able to rest, to have peace in Him. To be able to see everything that God wants you to have. Because in the millennial kingdom, you're going to enjoy the fruits of all of that for 1,000 years. For a born again Christian, they're saved. But they don't do anything for God. They don't enter into the rest. They don't have the victory that God wants them to have. They not only miss out here. But for a thousand years, they will suffer loss of rewards. Not loss of salvation, but loss of rewards. For a thousand years. It is two lives they are wasting, not one. You understand, this is a serious thing. With that backdrop... Let's see this rebellion against the rest. First of all, we see this idea of fear. This idea of fear in verse number 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. The Bible says you need a fear. What do I need to fear? That you're going to come short of what God has desired for you to do. For you to fall short of the rest. That's the word that's used here. This victorious Christian life. To fall short of what God put you on this earth to do. What God saved you to do. You need to fear lest you seem to come short of it. Now again, this isn't talking about losing your salvation, but it's talking about losing this victory that you should have had, that you could have had through Jesus Christ to enter in this victorious Christian life, to have this rest, to have this peace, to see God do things in your life. We should fear this idea that we're going to come short, that you're going to fall short. God has so much more for you in this life than just this. Every single one of you who are saved, God wants to use to get victory in this world. To see things accomplished. He wants to use you. And to think that one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to, we're going to give an account by how much we accomplished that God desired to get accomplished. How we were used. How would you like to go before God and God says, guess what? You didn't even get close to a quarter of the things I wanted to do with you. You missed out. Wouldn't that be horrible to hear? Man, I wanted to use you in amazing ways, but you wouldn't let me. You fell short. That would be hard. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say, you've done what I've asked you to do. Enter in. I've got so much for you. Rather than him say, man, I wanted to use you. Why didn't you let me? Why didn't you let me? You missed out. There's an idea of fear. We should fear this idea That we're not going to accomplish what God desired for us to do. That we came short of it. 
we see this idea of fear, but we also see this idea of failure. Notice in verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the world, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. We see this idea of failure. You know, we have heard the wonderful news. But when most of you have heard great Bible preaching. Some of you may even heard some great Bible preaching from here. You've heard the word of God. Let me tell you, we could give you the best messages in all the world and it does you no good if you don't do anything with it. May I tell you that anyone who attended this church for any length of time, there's not a single spiritual problem in your life that has not been addressed or has not given you the answer from the Bible from here. And if you don't have that rest and the peace, it's because you failed to obey it. People are miserable. People are not enjoying the rest. Why is it? It's not because God did not give you the word. It's because you failed to obey the word. When people are wondering, why is my life falling apart? Why do I have the judgment of God coming upon me? Well, could it be that you sit in the pew and all asleep and just look around and miss out? Could it be that when the word of God is preached and you hear, you say, man, preacher's really letting so-and-so have it. Or maybe you're thinking in your mind, I wish so-and-so was here. They really need this message. No, the message is for you. God's trying to help you. God's trying to give you what you need. There's not a single person in here that cannot be enjoying, enjoying the victorious Christian life. If you've taken what you've heard from this pulpit, from the word of God, and obeyed it. And the reason why people are struggling, why they're having failures in their life, is because they haven't obeyed the word. They haven't obeyed the things given to you. Not a single spiritual problem in your life that cannot be solved by the preaching of God's word and you obeying it. Not a single spiritual problem. You said that's a bold statement. Well, the Bible backs that check up. People can sit in a church and wonder why they have failures. To wonder why their family's falling apart. To wonder why their finances are falling apart. To wonder why things are just falling apart. It's not God's fault. It's because you haven't entered into the rest. The victory that God had promised. And God wants to give victory. There's not a single spiritual problem that cannot be solved if you will just obey what God's given to you through his word. But the problem is, is failure. We don't have everything that God desires us to have because we haven't obeyed. The word has been preached. The problem's not the word. We haven't obeyed. So what's the answer to this? We see that there's a fear, that we need a fear that we're going to come short. And number two, we see that it's a failure, a failure to obey. What's the answer? Faith. Faith. Verse number three. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he has said, I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the Lord. We could see that at the end of verse number two. 
that the reason why the word of God didn't preach, did not profit them, is that it be not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Faith is the answer. You say, well, I, I believe God. Well, then we don't have to fear of falling short if we're obeying him, following after him, entering into it. Well, what about my failure? Do what you need to do. Obey God's word. Take God's word. Move forward and see God get the victory. Remember, the victory is in Christ, not us. He wins the victory. If it was left up to you, of course we're all hopeless. It's believing in God. That God can do what he said he could do. You think about the children of Israel back in Joshua's day. When they were in the mountains, they were able to get victory because they were able to trust. Why is it they could not get victory on the plains? Because they feared the chariots. They feared the weapons that the rest of the world had. And they said, God's able to, to win the victory in the mountains but when we get the chariot, God can't handle that. That's too much for God to handle. That's exactly the reason why they didn't have it. And it was such a big reason that even centuries later, people referred to the, the heathen lands referred to God as the God of the mountains. He can only give victory up on the mountain. But you go ahead and put them on a level playing field. Let us have our weapons. They don't have a chance. What is it? That you think that God cannot conquer in your life? What is it that you don't think God could conquer in the world around you? You said, but you don't understand how hard-hearted this guy is. And he's just giving me such a hard time. God could conquer that. You step up by faith and you obey God with the things that you know how. And you trust God with that victory. He will give you that victory. You said, but, but, but what if he doesn't? Don't doubt. Trust God. If you believe that God may not, then you're not going to respond by faith. You're going to hedge your bets and try to be safe. That's exactly what the children of Israel did in the book of Joshua. You said, but you don't understand. I've got this big financial burden and I don't know how to take care of it. Let God take care of it. You obey what God has given you to do. I'm not saying rest and sit down in your fanny. You obey God. You trust God. You trust Him with the victory. And by the way, family and finances, maybe in physical health, pastor, you don't understand the physical health that I have. Let me tell you, God's grace is sufficient. And when you are weak, He is strong. Is God's grace enough to overcome whatever physical ailment? I didn't say he was going to heal you. I said that God can use your infirmity to show that he is strong. And you can still get victory. No matter what the physical thing is. That you can't let your physical ailment give you an excuse for not obeying God. You're failing. You're not exercising faith. And you're not enjoying the victorious Christian life. But let me tell you, God wants to accomplish more in your life than physical health, finances, and family, people around you. God has so much more he wants us to accomplish. If we're just battling with at home, we just can't get victory with things at home. If we can't get victory over our own finances, if we can't get victory over the obstacles in our way, how in the world are we going to reach an entire world? 
How in the world are we going to reach entire Green Bay? You say, whoa, whoa, preacher. That's asking too much. It can't be done. Yeah, as long as we have that attitude. Do you not think that God can turn Green Bay upside down and send a revival and have so many saved people that the jails are empty? God's done it before. He did that with Billy Sunday. When he would sweep the town, the jails were still empty a year after he left. God can do it. You understand, if we can have exercise enough faith to work and see victories in our own personal life, how in the world can we see victories over a world that Satan controls? It's one of our problems that we have today is that Christians have so sick, so anemic, so lacking of faith, so minor in victories that the world has trampled on and the Christians have allowed it because we have no faith. We have no victory. We have no influence. Nothing. And that is not what God desired for us to have. You understand If I told you half the stuff in my brain, you guys would be scared to death of what I believe that God wants to do through this church. And it can happen. It's not just a dream. You say, what if it is just a dream? Then at least I had a good dream. But if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. I want to get to the place where through this local church, we're knocking on every door in Green Bay once a year. It can be done. Then I want to get to the place where we're knocking on every door in Appleton once a year. At the same time, it can be done. My heart's desire, in case you haven't been reminded of it for a while, is always to train men and women for the ministry. My desire is up in Green Bay to have an institute, a Bible institute, where we are actively and purposely training men and women for the ministry and seeing preachers, seeing missionaries, seeing Christian laborers being sent out of this local church all over the world. You look around and say, nah, it can't be done. I'm not depending on you. I'm depending on the Lord. I want you to trust God with me and let's go forward together. I would still love to have a radio station. Wouldn't it be nice to have a radio station in this thing where you turn your car radio and get good stuff? Not garbage. I talked to someone the other day. I've been praying for this for a while. Max knows this. We've been, but I talked to someone the other day that said, you know what? We're thinking about moving there. But one of my things, Pastor, I want to do is I'd love to work in a radio ministry. Hmm. Well, I'll pray that God leads you in a plain path. Could it be that God's preparing and God's working? That God's doing stuff? I would love to see the place where we are serving 50 missionaries at $50 a month and moving to 100 missionaries at $100 a month through this local church. Why not? God's available. God can do it. Wouldn't it be wonderful? There are so much. And I'm only giving you a small portion. I would love to have it so we have a, 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 um, 
a storefront in every village and every community surrounding this area. And on Thursday night having preacher boys preaching in those services. Preaching the word of God and reaching those local areas. And some of those will become local churches of themselves. I have no desire to be the king church where everyone comes here. Our desire is to go start local churches and to spread them out. Again, I'm just giving you a taste. This is what we should be looking forward to. We have to first exercise faith in our own life and get victory in our own life. Then we can start marching towards those things. But as long as we're still suffering through personal defeat and don't have enough faith to trust God with the things in our life, how in the world are those other things going to get accomplished? You understand, God has so much more for us. God has no desire for this church here just to sit with a small population and just, well, we survived another year. We're not destroyed yet. We're still paying the bills. God has so much more for us. He's placed us here to reach the world. That comes with the rest, the victory that he has to step out everywhere we go. We're expecting God to get the victory, to have a group of people who are crazy enough to believe God's promises like me. Imagine what can be done if everyone believed like that. God has so much more. Again, what is the failure of all this? God has a rest. He promised it. He's illustrated. He says, I want you to enjoy it. Where does it come from? Where does this failure come? Where do we miss it out? We hear preaching like this and we do nothing with it. We don't respond. We let it go past. We say that's a nice idea. I hope pastor has his dream filled. And then we go back to our miserable, victorious, list, defeated, empty lives. And that is not the life that God saved you to live. That's not the life that God died for you to live. That's not the, the life that God designed for you to live. There is so much more for you than this. But you have to exercise the faith. I can't twist your arm. I can't make you. It's a choice that you have to make that said, Lord, I'm choosing to follow after you. I'm choosing to trust you with these impossible things in my life. Lord, I'm trusting you in the midst of the storm. And let me tell you, when you are able to trust God, and just like that painting, when the storms are raging and have the person in the cleft of the rock in total peace, that's the life that God wants you to live. That in the middle of everything, you can have total peace because of a God we can trust. So let me just ask you this. Is the life that you've lived in the last week, in the last month, would you consider it restful? And the life that you've lived in the last week, in the last month, would you categorize it as victorious? Let me tell you, God wants you to have a life that you could describe as a victorious Christian life. A life that is in peace in the Lord when the world is not at peace. Because our victory is in Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you have been sold the false illusion that the world gives you of peace. Of the beautiful beaches and the clear skies. 
Maybe some of you just need to change your definition of what peace and victory is. What rest is. It is not that and you cannot obtain that. But you can have rest in Jesus Christ in the midst of any storm that you face. The storm may be raging. The disciples may be uh, plowing all the water of the boat. But Jesus was sleeping and resting. When the disciples woke him up, what was his response? Ye of little faith. Why? Because they should have trusted Jesus in the midst of the storm. Can you trust him? Now as Christians, we're programmed to say yes. I'm asking you to look inside of your life and say, is that honestly a yes in your life? Can you trust him with those things? In your life. Can you have rest and peace. That God has offered to you. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you. To take this information that you just received. And make a specific decision. To follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your savior. Let me beg you to take the time. To receive Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.